like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the Lowdown Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and joining me for the first time is Rich Thomas, which is from Free Show. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah. And we are continuing our series into the Undertaker streak, and in this one we're talking about the WrestleMania 13 match, where it takes on Cycle Sid for the WWF Championship. And it seemed to me as if they were going, like, they heading towards Brett, Sean, two for the main event. Uh, at that time, um, Shawn Michaels was the champion at the beginning of the year, and then Bret Hart, well, Steve Austin wins the Royal Rumble, but that's under nefarious circumstances because he got eliminated, the referee didn't notice it, and he goes on to win the match. Uh, but unfortunately, um, Bret was going, sorry, Shawn Michaels was going through what I call the total dick phase of his career, where he um, vacated the title after um, losing his smile. Um, so it's, it's it looked to me as it was going one direction, but but then things happen to make sure that well, it's something else happened instead. Yeah, I. This is definitely a kind of they always say that you can't really long term plan because there's too many things that can get in the way. Yeah. And yeah, you'd think after the Iron Man match between Brett and Sean in the previous WrestleMania. They'd come back for a return match, but yeah, like I think we'll get into some of this during the match. But you can definitely tell that there's a lot of emotion going on on things other than this match while yes. people are talking about this match. Yeah, it's, yeah, you you'll definitely see that. Um, so pretty much the story goes to this: after Shawn Michaels vacates the title, um, the final four in the Royal Rumble were. Bret Hart, Cycle Sid, Song Cold, and The Undertaker. They have a four-corner elimination match at In Your House 13, and Bret Hart wins the title. But he only has it for a day, because he faces Cycle Sid, and thanks Steve Austin, um, Bret Hart loses the title. Um, and Undertaker has become, become the number one contender, because he was the one who up at the um, elimination match. Um, and there's a, I think... It's, I think I can't remember, was that, is it that match or the Steve Cage later one where Bret Hart shoves Vince? I can't remember which one it is. I believe it's at the Steel Cage. Yeah. Um, um, if the During the promo, so I watched WrestleMania 13 via the new WWE Network here in the US. Yeah. And that is part of the promo package at the beginning is Bret pushing Vince. Yeah, I and remember. It, you can see they're Disassembling the cage as it happens. Ah, okay. Yeah, because I remember that bit. I just couldn't remember if it was in the cage or not. Uh, because yeah. that, because um, in the FA cage match, um, British said have a rematch, and so much interference going on because um, Austin interferes because he wants his. Um, he's already fa- scheduled to face Bret Hart at WrestleMania anyway, uh, but he wants to make a title match, so he's helping Bret out. 
and Undertaker's interfering because he rather face Sid than Brett, which has actually turned out to be a really good idea. Um, and that's when he slams the um, cage, the cage door to Brett's head and helps Sid win the title. So that's pretty much like the story going in here. It's it seems to be a bit like bit like kind of hot potched together slightly. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that it's, it's they ran through a lot of plot leading up to WrestleMania to get it into this position. Yeah, and that it's clear. I don't know, like it, this WrestleMania is kind of odd because I don't think it is the showcase of the immortals yet, but I think that like, this is kind of like a turning point in WrestleMania history, WrestleMania 13. It goes from a big show every year to the show every year because of this one, I think. Yeah. It's just a very, um, iconic WrestleMania because wait, well, cause you've got the, the double turn with the Brett Austin match. And you kind of see them slowly going towards that attitude era that kind of officially starts the following WrestleMania. Yeah. And I personally think 97 is quite a decent year for, for wrestling in that in, in the company, but it is bookended with two very controversial events. Oh no, but and obviously we'll just talk about one with Shawn Michaels vacating the title, and then in November you yeah. get the the Montreal Stew Job as well. Yeah. So it is it is, it is weird having, having it bookended by two of those. Um, Events both involving Shawn Michaels, I want to clear enough. Um, yeah. So the match starts, and before the match starts, Shawn Michaels comes out for commentary. And I watched, I watched this, I watched this video on YouTube, and videos from like thirty-seven minutes. I think eight of those minutes is Shawn Michaels' entrance because he takes forever. Oh yeah, and it's purely an upstage job. Oh god, yeah. It's he takes forever. He's gonna get in the ring. He's not gonna get in the ring. He's gonna get in the ring. And it's just, uh, to me, I understand from his point of view why he'd want to do that. But as an audience member, it just annoys me to death. Yeah. It's, it's making the story about this other thing. So. Yeah, and that's probably, we'll probably get to it when we've been talking about the match, but it, it does seem to be like this, the, the focus of the match is not the two competitors, it seems to be more... Yeah. More about Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Um, I know Jerry Lawler. Um, sorry, the commentators are uh, Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, and Jerry Lawler. And Lawler and, is sorry. And Shawn Michaels as yeah, the additional. Yes, uh, you just come out. And um, and obviously Lawler's like is like slagging Shawn off. No, but like come to, because of his entrance. And they seem to have this magical argument during the match as well, which is weird. Um, but um, just, just when. After like 20 minutes when Sean does actually sit down and start doing his commentary, uh, Todd Pennegill interviews Sid. Uh, what do we say interview? It's probably the weirdest promo I've ever seen. Because um, Sid is, he, he does this thing where he shouts really loud and then goes really, really quiet. And there were bits in, in his promo where I couldn't, I was being deafened. And then Probably because I had just been deafened. I'm struggling <laughs> to hear him. Because he starts whispering. I whispers really, really quietly. Yeah. I I couldn't listen to the whisper at all because oh, I no, set the nice. Yeah, I set the TV I set my TV for the sound of the screaming. Yeah. And then he just whispers it's so soft you can't hear it. Um uh, 
the other thing, so Todd Pettengrill has a great line when he starts the interview. Is there's a love fest, there's a love fest going on in the arena right now that loves about to turn to rage. And <laughs> I actually didn't know that because because um, the video I watched, uh, Vince goes we're going to Todd Pettengill, and then it just caught straight to Sid just shouting. Uh, so I didn't count that, and I'm. I think as people, uh, I talked about Todd Benegal in in the West Radio 11 one because I just can't, I don't get how he was with the company for so long. <laughs> it, was, it was just a really annoying guy to me. Um, so anyway, Undertaker comes out first, he's the challenger. Uh, comes out with, and this is the first time he comes out with Paul Bearer because um, they uh, ended their relationship the previous SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, and the entrance is really good because. Yeah, the arena goes dark, you get the smoke, you get all the purple smoke coming out, and Undertaker comes out uh, with the light on him, and then when he gets to the corner, he just raises his arms, and the lights just suddenly go on again. So I wish, yeah. which I really like. I mean, Undertaker's done, has done some really good entrances, but that's one of my favourite ones, just like sudden, you know, the lights are suddenly coming on. It is. Re- he moves really slowly and deliberately. Yeah. He, it's... It's a great use for the character, but just like you watch him, it just takes a really long time. Like he's he's just moving for a long time. And this this whole match, if you think about all the people trying to get to the ring in this match, yeah, it just takes a really long time. Yeah, it takes a really long time to get going. Um, yeah, and this is the first time that uh, Jim Walsh mentioned was the first time that Undertaker is undefeated at WrestleMania. Um, so, but that's no because there's still it's not for another few years before the calendar start making. Such a big deal about the streak. Yeah. So, but this is like the first time JR kind of says, okay, he's been undefeated at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering about that because that is so Jim Ross and says it in the way he would announce someone's college credentials in yes. other matches. It's very much like he's undefeated in the way you'd say, like, he's a wrestler from Michigan State. So, yeah, but, that, yeah. that's what I like about Jim Ross is that he's very descriptive. He's very, he's very good at trying to like sell the wrestlers. Uh, so one thing I like about him is that even though there's wrestlers that he doesn't like, um, because um, with I'm a, I'm a big Triple H fan, but and what, yeah. what Jim Ross was saying was uh, like going, oh, I hate the guy, but I do respect what he does and all that stuff. So he's really good at keeping always like you know, always making sure everyone looks good, kind of thing in his commentary. Yeah, I would uh, agree, and it gives it he he uses those little moments I think very effectively. Yeah, that it's. That's something that's a throwaway line, but just it just plants the seed. Yeah, so. it does. Um, yeah, so um, Sagan Sid comes out. Um, really, even though it is, I try to enjoy it. It's really corny music because <laughs> you know it starts with like the um, like the music from the shower scene from the film Psycho, and yeah. it does like this guitar bit, and then when he comes in, uh, like this that this this Sid sign take uh, down from the rafters. <laughs> Into the wing, and that suddenly just flares up, and it's like fireworks. I'm very happy they could get his exact um, font in fireworks. Yes, very that, That's a nice, it's a nice thing. Yeah. When, oh, there is someone in the background who has a pair of scissors that says "Sid and Arn," a sign that's a big pair of scissors with "Sid and Arn" in the background yeah, before Sid that. comes out. Yeah. So, I think that's a. A little of a nice uh, insider's touch. Yeah, now I, I didn't know that. I didn't know when I first watched it, but then I found out that um, 
Sid, Sid decided to see, decided to like stab on Anderson with some scissors. So yeah, um, yeah um, if I, sorry. If I remember correctly, he did that during a UK tour. Oh okay, that's, I didn't know that. If yeah. that's that's what I, I could be wrong. I, I'm not a great person in wrestling lore, but I think that was during a foreign tour. All right. Yeah. So, um, so I won't say the match starts with a stare down, but um, but Hart decides to pay a visit. Um, <laughs> it's all he comes down, and I kind of get what they're doing because they did this with Alberto Del Rio last year at Payback when they had a double turn there, and uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but about I think it was just just before the next match or the match after, Del Rio comes out. He's won the World Heavyweight Championship. He's like kind of saying, you know, like give it up for me. You know, I won. Kind of like really rubbing in as the heel turn. And I think that's what Bret Hart's kind of doing here. But it just seems weird. It it does seem weird, and I think I think there's a a point in Bret Hart's heel turn here is that they're not they're trying to make instead of him seem angry, they're trying to make him seem whiny. Yeah, like he's being a bit of a dick about it. Yeah. Not just... Uh, I would say more of a baby. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, yeah. He's, be, he's just whining and complaining. It's not that he's a bad guy. It's that he just... He wants everything his way. And the way they talk about it... They spent a lot of the match talking about Brett. Yeah. And the spending that time talking about Brett... Really, like, I understand it's selling something for the future, but this is your big, this is the world title defense of your big show. But you're spending all the time setting up future, or spending a lot of time setting up future storylines, which seems like very, in retrospect, it seems like kind of like, I don't know, like disrespectful to the crowd to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, um, it does. It does seem. It does seem like a moment he just comes out. You're like, why are you here? <laughs> uh, yeah. But Brett kind of um, starts slacking up Shawn Michaels, um, saying that you know about how his injury is fake, which is kind of true. Um, goes then goes to take her and goes like, review your friendship is over. You know, the friendship between us is over because of what happened that we talked about. And just find it funny. And it's like, only take his character doesn't seem the sort of guy to have friends. But <laughs> never mind. Okay. Um, and then he goes to say saying that um no sit a floor because the title should be you no know, his and and then then it gets even more weird because Sid, who's the bad guy in this, uh punches Brett and gives him a power bomb. And then um the officials come out and kind of get Brett to leave and then Taker kind of starts punching Sid and that's how the match starts. Yeah, I have to say this match in general doesn't have a huge idea about who the good guy and who the bad guy is. Yeah. And uh, Sid comes out and he's giving people fist pounds on the way to the to the match. He's being totally like the he doesn't he's not acting like a uh, a villain yeah. as he at any really time in the match at all. He's just acting like himself. And that is a kind of weird thing because it ends up there's end, ends up that there's no villain in this match at all. No, it isn't. They're both kind of um, kind of both doing good and bad bits. Anyway. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, with this match, there's so many wrestles because it's the, the match is like 20 minutes, but there's, I think a good third of it is them doing wrestles. And it's almost like they start out doing wrestles to pace themselves. Yeah. Like, it's not like they start out with a flurry of activity and do rest holds. They do a little activity and then go to a bear hug. Yeah, that's what they do because, um, yeah, because Taker starts off, you know, you know, getting the offense. You know, way in the wrestling matches, I was like, you know, the good guy gets a bit of offense in and then it's cut off by the heel and then all that stuff. And that's when Sid puts on the bear hug. Uh, and then what he's doing is like, he's had the bear hug for about a minute. Then let's go and then punch it because it's called a punch. Then another bear hook, bear hook again, and uh, Tigger does eventually get out of it. Uh, but he gets to he gets hit by a big boot and then clothesline to the outside. And with all the matches I've seen so far, clothesline and Undertaker over the top rope, Tom the top rope is not really a good idea because he lands on his feet and then yeah. proceeds to drag you underneath the Sebastian rope back outside. Yeah. Um, it's- it's an impressive. I would definitely. It's an impressive thing to see. Yeah. So you definitely like to see it in the match. But yeah, if you're looking at that pure sports idea that you wouldn't do, you wouldn't. You try to stay away from that. Yeah. Um. He uh, so, yeah. So just no to get and then he kicks um, Undertaker over the Spanish house table. Um. You know, poor Spanish houses. Um. He bounces and they make sorry. They make jokes about the Spanish announce table, and about that's where Sean's going to start his uh, commentary career. Yes, because Lord, Lord's in a, yeah. So yeah, Lord, which Lord's I, like, I, I thought it was funny the way they're building that gag because that gag is not the Spanish announce table gag is not quite in full effect yet. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I don't forget the tables are just like just normal tables, not like the commentary tables that you see now. We kind of it's. Uh-huh. It's kind of designed more for safety and to collapse slightly easily because all the monitors are just on top of these tables and yeah. and this is a time where they're not going to like move you know you see them like move the monitors out the way to make sure they don't which seems ironic you know you're about to pull them through a table so you move the monitors not so you make sure you don't make it worse kind of thing yeah um, yeah and this and this is the thing the tables they're using as the announced tables yeah. they're not what people would think of as pro wrestling bingo hall tables. Yeah. They're actually not as wide as that, and the effect of them not being as wide as that is they don't break as easy. Yeah. So even though people get pushed and thrown over to the tables and knocked over, no one breaks a table in this match. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, because um, Sid then body slams him onto the Spice and table. And this is where they had, they had a really bit moment, weird moment with Vince, because Vince goes, right, it's no disqualification. And I think to myself, since when? <laughs> because <laughs> since where did it become no disqualification so obviously I've read the history you know preparing for this podcast but I'm not going to see anything beforehand to to say oh by the way this match no disqualification because I don't think um, how Finkel's a weird announcer I don't think he mentions it in his, in his announcing and it's just like it's just out of the blue it's like it's, it's, like, it's no disqualification it's like oh okay weird right anyway so there's one thing I want to get back to the ring announcing yeah in the the video I had, the ring announcing, they're talking over the ring announcing. Yeah. They don't let him, then the, so the announcing for the audience in the arena, they're, the announce team just kind of talking over it. Yeah. Doing their own announcement. And that kind of was a little bizarre to me. 
because I always thought like the ring announcing in WrestleMania is a kind of big thing. Oh yeah, it is, and it's and it's not like well, if you if the world title now, they they let the both the wrestlers come in, and then it's like it's like a no boxing MMA match kind of yeah. feel, where you let the wrestlers come in, and then the announcer would, you know, the bell would ring, and the announcer would announce the challenger and champion, and then, you know, and that's how the match starts. Um, so it's it's weird, you know, some some of the things they do here. Um, so Sid brings Taker back in and comes for two, and then apply uh, the players the Cobra Clutch for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> sorry, I'm not the hugest Sid fan in the world. Oh, no. Does he do that a lot, or is he just breaking that out for WrestleMania? I don't know. I, um, I'm not seeing many. Um, Sid matches either. I mean, I've seen I've seen all the times he's main evented like the big shows because he he WrestleMania yeah. WrestleMania eight and then WrestleMania thirteen and then he did Star K two thousand and I've obviously watched them. I've listened to podcasts about it. Um, I know he didn't do it in eight and I think he did it. I did do it Star K two thousand just Cobra Clutch as well. It's um it you know it's, it's not really a move a big guy should be doing. No, it looks worse than Steiner recliner. Yeah, the standard kind of looks. Yeah, the standard kind of looks really bad because the way to get out of the Cobra Clutch is going your knees, and Steiner's doing it while they're already on the knees, so yeah. kind of help him out. Um, but I, I personally don't think strong guys should do it. Although you've got um, Alexander Rusev who's in NXT at the minute. Yeah. Um, he does. Well, it's the same thing because of the accolade, and he's a strong guy, but he's like he's like five six or something. But the way he does it, it looks like he's literally bending the Western in half. He pulls back on it really hard. So, um, you know, it's one of those things. Um, sorry, there seems to be a lot of size in this. <laughs> um, can't think why. Um, so, with, um, to, uh, with this, um, no, Sid goes, to, goes for the second row, does a double axe handle. Um, Taker makes a brief comeback, but uh, Sid powerbombs him for two. And one thing I always find weird in wrestling is when you pin someone for two. And you pin again, and again. <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just press a little harder, see if that will work, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think that's ever worked. I don't think we've ever no. seen. Oh, you push again. Now you get the three count. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Oh no, that, that no, that must be. They're like going. Oh, that must be a three count. I'll just try again, kind of thing. Um. So yeah, and then Sid does a lead drop for two, and then does the same thing, calls him again for two. Um. During this time, commentators update. Everyone about Sean Ross, uh, Steve, Steve Austin's condition because uh, he he got busted open really bad in this match. Uh, I thought I thought I thought that was a nice little touch by them because they're kind of like selling they're kind of selling his you know his effort in the, in his match. And obviously he looked really bad. So just say you know just say to the audience look okay he's this is what happened to him he's in the hospital he did really well that kind of thing so you know like like what Bret Hart. Is, was doing the beginning of this match. The commentators is like, you know, kind of emphasizing the, the face turn for Austin. Yeah, I think, yeah, I thought that was good. I just thought that the the little additional Bret Hart's in the back about something whining. Yeah. Like, I guess it's seeing, I guess keeping him in your mind is a good idea. But there's really, I get this really feeling that people knowing this all these years later, you get this feeling people didn't like enjoy working with Bret Hart. Yeah. Is that's the only thing I hear when I hear these things now. Yeah. So. I mean, 
mean, I think no one, I don't think anyone can doubt Bret Hart's ability as a wrestler. Um, but he might be probably a bit perfectionist and everything like that, and that probably yeah. would wouldn't, no rub people up the wrong way. Um, so with this, um, Sid tries to climb like but misses, uh, but gets hit by a flying clothesline. Um, um, they have a bit of fight in the corner. Uh, Ticket sends Sid outside and then sends Sid flying over the guardrail, which looked pretty brutal. Um, and then they start exchanging punches. Um, and they go back into the ring, and then we get another West Hold with Sid as he applies a form of chin lock. And then later on, Ticket applies like you know, like a Vulcan nerve pinch kind of move. Yeah, which uh, yeah, the, it's funny. I was when I was watching it, I was trying to run through my head enough time to run through my head all the different wrestlers who'd use that because it's kind of like the uh, Tongan death grip. Yeah, but it's also like uh, the uh, Iron Claw from the uh, from Texas from the uh, I can't think of their names then the Von Erichs in Texas. Yeah, some okay. combination of those things. Yeah, it's good. I know. I know. I think Yokozuna did it when he faced Bret Hart WrestleMania Nine, yeah. and he did that kind of. Thing. Um, but it just it just doesn't look like it hurts. <laughs> no, it doesn't, and it's it's just like the wrong guys to do it. Oh, is the, all I can think. It's the wrong guy. It's I don't think I don't think the Undertaker is the right guy to do that move, and I don't think uh, Sid's the right guy to do it too. It just kind of looks like he's massaging his shoulder. Yeah. Um, so Sid obviously gets up, um, and then the um, they both like do big boots to each other and knock each other down for a bit. So to get get more time more time to rest, um, he does a cover. Uh, Sid does another axe up for the top rope. It does it two more times, and then when he tries it a third time, he gets hit in the stomach, and then uh, but he, Taker try to get once again does like the very brief comeback, but um, Sid does a scoop slam. Uh, Sid goes on top rope, which um, I know did, I know he doesn't break a leg to a few years after this, but no, looking at it now, he's like not really a good idea. Yeah, you can't. I couldn't watch him get on the ropes without thinking about him breaking his leg. Yes, as bad as that is, like, yeah, like, like I know that was a bad idea later, but yeah. But um, but sorry, he doesn't do a move because Taker grabs him and throws him off. So problem solved there. Yeah. Um, Undertaker goes to the top rope and then it's a fine clothesline. Um, Taker goes for the tombstone, but it's reversed by Sid into a tombstone for himself, and that gets two. And I I, I think that that be I quite liked because this is the, it's the first time another wrestler has done the tombstone. Because I know Kane does the tombstone, and when Triple H faces Undertaker Westman 27, he does a two-stone there as well. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a nice bit. And that obviously... It's... Sorry, you were going to say something? Yeah, eventually this becomes a running theme in big matches in the WWE, where the big wrestlers do the other wrestlers' move in the match. Yeah. And I kind of... I, I wonder if this is the first time that that is used in this this level of match and I think it might be I don't remember it happening before this yeah because Stone Cold does it and The Rock does it later on and Triple H does it in the in the kind of highlight in the like middle of the Attitude Era yeah 
it, it so. is. Um, and so we've um, so Sid doesn't take that well, and falls to the outside. And then Bret Hart turns up again because I thought they would have kept him in the back, um, just with a chair and hits Sid. And um, so the officials turn up again and up to the back. And obviously the conversation going, I start like moaning at Bret because he's been like no bit of whiny all that stuff. Um, Taker takes the opportunity and um, puts uh, Sid spine first into the ring post, and then as he goes back into the ring, and Taker hits a choke slam for two. Um, Sid goes for a clown and misses, and and this is like the most very obvious bosh because Taker just runs towards Sid and then suddenly goes flying down and just lands on his back. And because um, Sid doesn't move at all, it's like Taker just goes to the side of him and just goes down in a heap. And the commentator trying to defend it, saying, and Sean saying, oh, Sid ducked out the way and all that stuff, and which, let's face it, that's not true. Uh, that's not true at all. I mean, I see, I see what they're trying to do, but it's not true. <laughs> um, well, sorry, we're getting to the end of the match now. Um, Sid did go for the power bomb, but Brett comes out yet again. Uh, it's like, dude, take the hint. Um, but obviously, Sid is ready for him. He grabs him and does you know, the, the thing that Seamus does. We get the guy like over the top rope, starts beating on his chest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Brett. Um, must get out of it and then drops down and bounces Sid's neck off the top rope. Undertaker takes advantage of it, they hit the tombstone and get the win and become the WF champion. And the the count by Earl Hemmer is really slow. <laughs> I'm like, wait, because I know only Earl Hemmer always did it, it was just like these fast counts. But when it's like, you know, there's going to be the end, we does like the, the slowest count of all time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's you know I, just, I I get I get referees doing slow counts if they get if they got knocked down or anything like that, but this that didn't happen in this match. Um, and that's it. I mean, um, Taker gets the belt, doing the go dog, and uh, Taker does just like his celebration pose when he's on his knee, pose up the title, and that's pretty much the end of the match. Um, so it's, as I said before, it's it's a match that is a lot longer than it needs to be, because as we said before, there's so many West holds. It seems to be, to me, very overbooked in a way. It, it, yeah, I guess it's funny because it is overbooked and there is so much going on. But then again, you don't see, it, you don't get the feeling that these guys are doing anything special for this match. No. it's This is a match that could have been any place on any pay-per-view card. It's not... It doesn't seem like a match that nowadays you think, oh, they're pulling out all the stops because they're headlining WrestleMania. Yeah. This seems like a very a standard Sid match and a standard Undertaker match. So while being overbooked, it's somehow also not special. No, it's not. It's um, yeah, I think it's right. It's, it's not. It's not like the you know, this like the, this this the match everyone's coming to WrestleMania yeah. to see kind of thing gets. Yeah, I, it's funny because like Sid has a pretty bad reputation yeah. at times, and it's not horrible. It's not, it's not a match you watch and you think, oh, this guy shouldn't be in a pro wrestling ring, but it is a, a match you watch. And go, yeah, this shouldn't be, this shouldn't be the last match on your biggest event of the year. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, it's um, 
I mean, I'm I'm not somewhat I'm not really a Sid apologist or anything, but but I can see people's point saying that he's not like he. I think mean, Sid is a guy who probably has always the potential, but it's he's never really any good in promos, and a lot of people can't believe he headlined two WrestleManias in the Star Game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's he's got he got way above his weight class. Oh, his terms of skill, like he's someone who made the most out of his look, and he's someone who seems like they have the skills of someone who should have been on the mid card. Yeah, but end up because of his look, getting all the way to the top. Yeah, um, yeah but I actually picked this up. I am not a huge Undertaker fan. Like it just because of when the Undertaker started at the age I was, and the whole kind of supernatural thing was not really what I enjoyed about wrestling. Yeah. So, and this to me, this match is at the point where the Undertaker really starts. He hasn't really start figure out how to put together his classic matches yet. No. So later on, I think he becomes a much better wrestler than this, and. You have to give it. He give it to him. He really explores his craft as time goes on. So that way, I really admire him. But like at this point in his career, I think he's really popular, but I don't think he's a great wrestler yet. He's nowhere near how good he'll he will get, even though he has a lot of the moves he will later. Yeah. Just the way he deploys them just gets so much better in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is this is um, probably in terms of his um, character. This is when it starts to go, you know, slightly darker. Now he's, um, I think the last time he's been wearing like the same kind of attire for years. Yeah. And then the net, and then it sort of evolves to like kind of more, more like like a druid kind of thing that he's doing yeah. in terms of dress. Um, sorry, one thing I forgot to mention I asked at the beginning: Were you a Western fan at this point? Oh, as you, as you not gone into it yet? No, I was a, I was a wrestling fan at this point. I was, um, at this point, I was in my mid twenties, and at this time, I was really more paying attention to, um, ECW. Yeah, I was living outside of Philadelphia at the time. Okay, so there's a lot of my friends and I were really paying attention to ECW because there's something really different. But, yeah, I was watching, at this time, I was watching the Monday Night Wars and all of those things. So, I don't I don't believe I bought this pay-per-view, but I believe I watched it afterwards. Yeah, with me, it's, um, I'm kind of in, in the middle of my, what I call my first sabbatical wrestling, because I got into it when I was 10, that was around WrestleMania 8. Yeah. And then, um, because we didn't have, we didn't have, like, cable at the time, so we couldn't watch it on Sky Sports here. So I didn't. I kind of like got out of it until '98 when we got cable. I was like, "Oh, there's wrestling on again," kind of thing, and that's when I got back into it. Um, yeah, because so it's it's but with with um, Undertaker, he becomes WF champion uh, until SummerSlam, when he loses to Bret Hart, um, thanks inadvertently to Shawn Michaels. Um, and also during this during this reign is when the this the um, the seeds for the rivalry Kane start being planted. Uh, you get, um, you know, Paul Bearer is like pretty much accusing Undertaker of being a murderer. Uh, Undertaker understands well, he's not going to take that well. So when he like grabs Paul Bearer, it's like, you know, 
they'll stop what are you talking they'll stop doing that kind of thing and that's when parents like going oh Kane told me and all that stuff and one thing I found and I was like kind of, I'm kind of jumping ahead here but one thing I found interesting about that is that it's very that with that what they're doing there it comes very very like a very long term storyline which is you rarely see that now in wrestling yeah well yeah it's the storylines well, I would even say people's patience for long term storylines is not what it used to be too yeah if it I th- right now, I think there is a long story going on, and people get frustrated about how long the story is. Yeah. So I think that there's a little less patience right now than there would have been at that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's pretty much what Overtaker was doing in 1997. Um, so, Rich, um, where can we find you on the internet? Um, you know, you can find me at on Twitter at, at EarthDog. And that's probably the best place right now. I am also, if you search in iTunes for the International Object Podcast, I'm the co-host with Kesor Paul of that podcast. Yeah. Right. Um, as for me, um, you can find me on Twitter at Lowdown Wrestling. Um, if you've got any questions, just send me a tweet. Um, I'll send me an email at lowdownwrestling at gmail.com. And um, my website is lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com. And we at the minute I'm just focusing on pay-per-view reviews uh, because of work, but hopefully I'll start writing more opinion pieces after WrestleMania. Um, so, Rich, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me, and I look forward to listening to the rest of the series and finding out when the streak becomes the streak. Yeah. So that is something that's really intriguing to me. So I'm looking forward to listening to these podcasts. Yeah. Yes, and um, thanks a lot for listening to the show, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.